Aloha, my name is Jake Shimabukuro, and you're listening to Life Minute TV. Famed ukulele player Jake Shimabukuro, known as the Jimi Hendrix of the ukulele, stopped by to tell us all about his star-studded duet album, Jake and Friends, featuring collabs with Bette Midler, Willie Nelson, Jimmy Buffett, Ziggy Marley, Vince Gill, Jack Johnson, and so many more. Tell me about this awesome album, Jake and Friends, right? So it started about four years ago. My manager, Van, we were talking. He said, you know, you got to do a collaborations record, you know, like a duets record. So I said, oh, yeah, sounds great. And he started throwing out some names. And I remember thinking, oh, it's a great idea. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, this is never going to happen, right? We talked with um, a longtime friend of mine, uh, Ray Benson, from Asleep at the Wheel, who's also on the record. He agreed to help produce the record. So um, the first phone call that he made was to Willie Nelson. Two months later, we're in the studio with Willie and recording Stardust. And uh, once we tracked that, you know, it just gave the project a lot of momentum and credibility. And soon after that, you know, of course, recorded Wrapping Paper with Ray Benson and Asleep at the Wheel. Uh, that was an old song by Cream. And then after that, it was uh, Michael McDonald and Bette Midler, you know. So and then it just kind of had this little snowball effect. And here we are today. So, um, you know, it started pre-pandemic. Uh, we finished it up lockdown so there are three tracks on the record that were recorded remotely but the other 13 tracks were all recorded in person you know which is very rare nowadays so they're live takes and kind of did it like uh like they did you know back in the day right when when they would record as a band or you know record together in the same room there's a certain magic and energy that's captured i think when everyone's playing together this is like an amazing like group of on yeah, it's uh, I, I, I always tell people it instead of Jake and friends, it should have been called Jake and dreams come true or something, you know, because that's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, Willie Nelson, got Michael McDonald, Ziggy Marley, Jack Johnson, Bette Midler, um, Warren Haynes, Sonny Landreth, Billy Strings. Plus, we got on there, Paula Funga. Oh, Jimmy Buffett. Yes, Jimmy Buffett. You know, Jimmy Buffett was one of the first, you know, artists to really take me out on the road, kind of took me under his wing, you know, back in. I think it was the first time I went on tour with 2006. Shortly after the YouTube, there was a YouTube video of me playing While My Guitar Gently Weeps, actually in New York, in Central Park, that went viral. And that's what kind of started this whole touring career for me. Yeah, but Jimmy, yeah, took me under his wing. And for uh, several years, you know, I, I, played and toured with him and I was a member of the Coral Reefer band and and that was an amazing experience of course you know so so to have him on this record you know kind of brings everything full circle uh, Kenny Loggins that was pretty amazing too you know being able to um, see his process in the studio you know because not not only is he an amazing singer and songwriter and all that but he's such a gifted producer and arranger so to see that side of him you know that was that was priceless too Almost all of them I've worked with before, except uh, Lucas Nelson was one that I never worked with before. And he was amazing. I mean, he's like a one-take wonder. You know, everything he plays is just perfect. I mean, his guitar part was perfect. His, his uh, singing was perfect every single take. And, you know, the, the only reason we had to do it multiple times was because I kept screwing up, you know. But he was like a machine. I mean, it was amazing. Um, who else? Uh, John Anderson from Yes. That was pretty cool to have him in the studio, to hear his iconic voice, 
singing along with an ukulele, you know, that was um, extraordinary. And um, so, yeah, so he was another one that I never worked with before. Warren Haynes, I never actually recorded with before, but we had it performed, you know, together. He invited me to his um, Christmas jam in North Carolina, you know, a few years ago. And so that's when I got to meet him. I was, I've always been a huge fan. Same with Sonny Landreth, you know, one of my favorite slide guitar players. Oh, and of course, Willie Nelson. I never worked with Willie Nelson before, so that was a first. But everyone else, yeah, we've crossed paths along the way, so it was nice to be able to, to bring everyone back. In fact, I remember Ziggy Marley uh, a few years ago, he invited me to play a track on his Love Is My Religion record. So, um, so I, I got to, to play on that, and, and I remember he told me, hey, you know, if you ever do something, you, you want me on it, you know, let me know. So when we were doing this project, I was like, hey, remember that? <laughs> no, but he, he's amazing. And, you know, and in fact, I mean, all of these artists, you know, the fact that they took the time to, to do this project with me, I mean, I, I'm so honored and speechless. I'm very proud of the music that we made. I mean, I feel it was very heartfelt, um, very honest, and... Uh, and it really captured, you know, a, a moment. And there's three Beatles songs on there. Mm -hmm. um, why those and why choose um, the people that you, you played with them on? Oh, yeah. So I kind of, um, as far as song selection, I kind of left the ball in, in everyone else's court, you know, because I wanted them to be able to record something that they were, that they already knew or they were comfortable with. And um, so, like, for example, one of my favorites on there is a duet between Vince Gill and Amy Grant. They did a, um, a beautiful rendition of George Harrison's Something. And that, that, was, that was amazing. I mean, it's one of my favorite tracks. It's so romantic, so beautiful. There's just so much love in that recording. Vince mentioned something because he, um, we were talking about that connection with George Harrison and the ukulele, you know, because George Harrison loved the ukulele. so. Uh, so that's why, you know, he, uh, he mentioned kind of doing a George Harrison song. And, and so when he said something, he said, oh, maybe I can, you know, see if Amy will sing this with me. So now we have this incredible <laughs> recording of Vince Gill and Amy Grant. It's one of my favorites. Uh, John Anderson chose A Day in the Life because a lot of people don't know this about John Anderson, but he actually likes playing the ukulele. When he was thinking of ideas for songs, he said, you know, I, I have this little arrangement of a day in the life that I play on the ukulele and sing, you know, and, and so he, he sent it to me. I couldn't believe I was seeing John Anderson strumming the ukulele and singing. I mean, it, it just blew my mind. So that was, that was really cool. Uh, Ziggy Marley, we decided on All You Need Is Love because that was something that he was playing in his live performances. I don't think he's ever recorded it, but in his live performance, he would do it as, as I think it was a medley with, um, like Redemption Song, and at the end of Redemption Song, they would segue into All You Need Is Love. And how did you get involved with ukulele? It, you know, it's not like an instrument that I feel like is, you know, popular amongst, you know, the kids. So I was born and raised in Hawaii, in Honolulu. And in Hawaii, the ukulele, it's a big part of the culture, right? And so we even learn it in school. So in fourth and fifth grade, we have Hawaiiana class, and we learn uh, how to play the ukulele. And my mom played. So four years old, she sat me down, taught me a few chords. And honestly, I just fell in love with it. There was just something about the sound. And, and it was very encouraging because it's easy to, to play simple chords. So you, you get that instant gratification 
you know, just immediately like, wow, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm playing, you know? And um, I think that's what really motivated me and kept me so interested and, and engaged, right? So, um, so yeah, my mom was the one who first got me into it. But in Hawaii too, there are a lot of really fantastic, you know, ukulele players that, uh, that recorded records. And I grew up listening to a lot of their albums. So one of my heroes was a man named Otasan. And he had, I mean, he's, he's got tons of records out. But I grew up listening to his albums and I would go and watch him play live. And he was such an inspiration to me because he covered a lot of different styles of music. I mean, everything from traditional Hawaiian music, jazz standards, and he would even have some classical arrangements for the ukulele. So I just loved listening to him because he was able to take the ukulele and if you think of different genres of music as, uh, as different languages, right, then, you know, he really made the ukulele multilingual. And so that was very inspiring. Even though I started out playing a lot of traditional music and just, you know, traditional techniques and things, incorporating traditional techniques, I started to, um, I had a fascination with guitar players. Like I would, you know, as a kid, I would watch, um, like I would see a video of Eddie Van Halen, you know, Van Halen playing. I'm just like, wow. And they're like just running all over the stage, having so much fun. And that energy really, it made me want to play like that, but it didn't make me want to play the guitar. It made me still want to play the ukulele. And uh, so with that, I became very inspired by guitar players. And I started trying to incorporate guitar techniques and even incorporating like electronic pedals, you know, like electric guitar players, they use a lot of these effects pedals and they're able to manipulate the sound of their instrument, you know, plugging into different amplifiers. And so I became very obsessed with figuring out the best way to amplify the ukulele because naturally the ukulele is a very soft instrument. It can't compete with drums or an electric guitar or electric bass. That's why it was so important to me to figure out a way to amplify the ukulele so that it could compete in volume, you know, with these other instruments that, that were very loud. Also, what I, what I realized too, is the ukulele is such a dynamic instrument, you know, because even though it couldn't play as loud as like a, like a trumpet or something like that acoustically, right? You know, it could always play softer. So with, with certain wind instruments, you have to blow and you have to push so much air just to get a sound, right? And so you're, your starting volume is maybe here, right? But then you can go all the way up here. So the ukulele maybe, it can't go that high, that loud, but it's here, but you can go all the way to nothing, right? So you can really increase the dynamic range of, of your instrument by playing softer. So when I figured that out, I was like, wow. And then it hit me, you know, because we always think about learning to amplify the instrument so that we can play louder. But I had an epiphany one day and I realized I want to amplify my instrument so that I can play softer. Because now by amplifying the soft, subtle things that I do that you can't even hear acoustically can still be heard. Oh, you mentioned Van Halen, but any other musical influences in your life? Oh, I mean, the name Jimi Hendrix always comes up for me because I, I love telling this story. And I think, I think it's true. So, uh, so Jimi Hendrix, before he uh, started playing the guitar, the first ukulele that was gifted to him by his dad was an ukulele. And I think he, was, he must have been like six or seven years old or something like that. And uh, the dad got him this ukulele. And I think it was, a, it was like a used ukulele or something because what I read was there were only three strings on it. It was missing 
one of the strings. But I guess Jimi Hendrix would still play it and, and, you know, and he really enjoyed it, I guess. And that's why the dad, you know, realized like, oh, maybe he likes music. So I him a guitar and the rest is history. What's next for you? Um, still, you know, we're still recording albums and I'm working on another collaborative project right now. So just, you know, slowly getting back into the routine of, you know, of what we were doing before, except, you know, with, with a lot more gratitude, you know, and appreciation because once we started doing live shows again, you know, in front of a real audience, um, it was quite, um, quite emotional. And I remember our first show back, we played in Clearwater and it was my first concert since the, since the lockdown. So it was over a year and a half since I had played in front of a live audience. But I remember after that first song and everyone just cheered and whew, I got, got really choked up, you know. So yeah, there's something about that connection when you're having a creative experience like that. And for me, I, I think when I'm on stage performing, you know, it's, it's a moment or an experience for, for me where I can be completely present and not have any distractions and to be in a concert hall or a venue, you know, whether it's 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people, to be in an environment where everyone is present and in the moment together sharing, you know, the, a common experience. I think that's what makes it so powerful and that that connection you know i mean there are times where where you'd be performing and or where i feel like when i'm performing sometimes i i mean i almost feel like we're with the audience i, I feel like we're, we're almost breathing together and it's a really um special feeling you feel so connected and and after that and that's why for, for me after a performance i feel really good you know i love it i feel very fulfilled is there anything else that we should cover that you wanted to add you know, like I said earlier, I'm just grateful to be making music again. And it's awesome to see, um, you know, so many artists and venues bringing music and, and the arts back into the community again. A lot of our shows recently, we've been their first show back, you know, so to be able to, um, to be with the, the crew and the staff, you know, at, at, at these venues, you know, just to see how grateful they are too, you know, to be doing what they love as well, right? Because you know, the production team and theater managers and all the people who make these venues so special, uh, you know, they, they're just as excited about it as, as the performers and the audience members. There's definitely a very intense energy, you know, that, that, that you feel, you know, doing shows again, because it's like, I think we're all on that same page where we realize that at any, any moment, you know, this can all be taken away again. And there's a much deeper appreciation and, and a feeling like, you know, you will never take this for granted ever again. And, that, and that's, that's a beautiful feeling. Here's one off the new record. Um, it's a duet with Vince Gill and Amy Grant. Here's George Harrison's Something. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. Oh, thanks. This next song is one that I co-wrote with Sunny Landreth. Um, it's a song entitled Sunny Days Ahead.
sunny days ahead. <laughs> oh, thank you. One more? Is that sure, okay? All right. Yeah. This one is probably my mom's favorite song off of the new record, and it's because Bette Midler has always been one of her favorite singers. And when I was a kid, she used to sing this Bette Midler song to me all the time. It's a song called The Rose.
To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.